Ross Bjork will lead Ohio State into the next chapter of its athletic department. Letterman Monroe is here to break it down after hearing from the current Texas A&M Athletic Director Ross Bjork, from Ohio State President Ted Carter, and from outgoing Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith. That's the 40-year bet, Tim May. You already know that by now. That's Andy Backstrom. I'm Spencer Holbrook. Uh, fellas, a lot to talk about here, but Ross Bjork is officially going to be the ninth athletic director in Ohio State history, Tim. It's crazy, isn't it? There have been almost twice as many presidents, uh, maybe two and a half, three times as many uh, uh, football coaches, head football coaches. Uh, yeah. And, you know, let's face it, uh, in the, inter in the uh, press conference process, I think he won the day in terms of uh, presenting himself, mm -hmm. uh, explaining himself to a certain extent, like uh, with the Jimbo Fisher thing, you heard me ask uh, President Carter, uh, you know, he have not heard that in many years, uh, mm -hmm. in a long time, saying President Carter, but President Carter, uh, when I asked him about that, how did he get past that aspect of it? And uh, President Carter was satisfied with the answers he got from the whole Jimbo Fisher thing. And, uh, but the bottom line is, uh, he's coming from a big-time athletic department and going to a bigger one, believe it or mm -hmm. not. I mean, Texas A&M is nothing to sneeze at from the standpoint of uh, facilities, uh, finances, et cetera. But he's driven by this, by this challenge to be the athletic director at Ohio State, the largest athletic department in the country. you got to give him kudos for that. And uh, so he has a vision about what's coming in the future. One of those is clearly going to be some type of revenue sharing uh, by players, I do believe, down the road. President Carter has the same kind of feeling about that deal. And uh, so we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. But he's got, he's going to land with a lot. Uh, he's going to start this job with a lot of things on his plate, and we'll see where it goes from there. First and foremost is assessing his coaches, Andy. Yeah, and he's got some job to do with, with Chris Holtman now. He's under contract through 2027, 2028. But of course, you know, a coach can be let go before a contract expires and you have to make <laughs> a decision. He knows that better than anybody. Right, of course, with the buyout with Jimbo Fisher, as we already talked about. But yeah, Chris Holtman is definitely under some pressure now to perform uh, down the stretch of this season. Ohio State's still in the mix in the Big Ten, but two and four in yeah. Big Ten play. There's going to be some pressure there to deliver over the last two and a half months. Uh, he said he just met Chris Holtman today. He's, he's met Ryan Day. Uh, Ari's, you know, previous Ryan Day was here for this press conference. He spoke very highly of, of Ryan and, and what he's done as a football coach at Ohio State. And you get the sense that there is a, a strong vote of confidence for Ryan Day going forward with this football program. Yeah, the quote exactly from Russ Bjork is, Coach Day, he's going to get it done, and it's going to be a lot of fun when we win those championships. Um, that is pretty bold from Ross Bjork, but we saw him and he and others hand a uh, championship trophy to Jimbo Fisher with an empty plaque on it. We've seen him hand out an extension to Jimbo Fisher after a 9-1 season. He is bold with his coaching moves, and some of them have not been correct. Some of them, in hindsight, have looked bad. Sticking up for Hugh Freeze amid NCAA investigations looked terrible when Hugh ended up on the phone with a prostitute. Yeah, Okay. as he pointed out. Hiring Kermit Davis as the head basketball coach and seeing him win 20 games in the first year at Ole Miss looked good in, in the first year, and then it looked bad in hindsight. Jimbo Fisher's extension after 9-1 again looked good, did not work out in hindsight. But it, you, one thing you cannot knock Ross Bjork for, he is bold. He is. Yeah. And this athletic department, I think, is going into a bolder future with him in charge, whether that it ends up being a good thing or not. And later, you know, he delineated uh, a little bit more later when we were talking to him on the side there, uh, the whole horde of us, uh, about the fact that, you know, you look at Ryan Day, 
yeah, three straight losses to the team up north. Um, he didn't bring that up, but I'm just saying, you know, what, what we're talking about, about Ryan Day possibly being in the frying pan, so to speak. Uh, but as he pointed out, last-minute field goal goes left. Or Ohio State probably, at least Ohio State plays for the national championship, they probably won. wins the national championship. So you don't just look at something and go, this number and this number say this. You look at the whole situation, which is very interesting when it comes to football, which has lost its last two games of the season, the last two year, the last two seasons. Those are the only two games they've lost, those two seasons. But those games were for championships. And as, uh, as uh, he was asked in that same conversation, how do you judge coaches at Ohio State? Because Ohio State is the elite. You judge them by contending for, but more importantly, winning championships, or at least being in the running for championships. And uh, so that's the bar. I mean, Gene Smith says the same thing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then it comes down to those fine lines. Well, this guy's doing a hell of a job here. You know, just because A, B, and C happen, that doesn't mean D needs to happen, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, so that's what, what gets me about him is he, he's a realist, at least as he, as he speaks, he's a realist on paper, but like the Jim, Jimbo Fisher thing, the Jimbo Fisher thing ended up being, they felt they were on the right track with him. There was some improvement there. And then all of a sudden, as soon as he gets the extension, that train went way off the tracks. And so now what do you do? Do you keep pouring finances, resources down that tube, or do you go for it down that personnel tube, or do you go for another, another direction? He had to step up to the microphone. He knew he was swallowing hard as much as anybody else and saying, in essence, we made a mistake here. It's going to cost us $75 million, but we got to get football back on track. Yeah, one of the things that I thought was the most interesting was one word that Ross Bjork said down here on this stage that's now being torn down. He said the word momentum when I asked him specifically about how he evaluates coaches that he didn't hire. Think back to the, the Zoom call he had with reporters when he fired Jimbo Fisher and decided to pay $76 million to tell this guy to go away. And he said, I didn't feel the program had momentum. Right. If nothing else, Ross Bjork wants momentum from the program. The football program right now has momentum, despite the two losses, despite three losses to Michigan. 2024 is slated to be the Buckeyes' year to a lot of people. The football program has momentum. Does all, do all 36 programs have momentum? I think that's what Ross Bjork wants to see more than anything right now as he begins his evaluations of these programs. Momentum. If you have it, you're probably in good standing with your new athletic director who did not hire you. If you don't, you probably don't have good standing with your new athletic director who did not hire you. Yeah, I think he's adaptable. He's a realist, as Tim says. I think one thing that came out of this conversation is, look, he's made some changes, right? He takes ownership of the decisions he's made, the good ones and the bad ones. As far as the Jimbo Fisher contract goes, he says, you know, he was asked about contract extensions in general. He says, yeah, you know, incentivized based contracts going forward for extensions is something he's probably looking at more. The days of 10-year guaranteed contracts are probably gone now. Look at the Elko deal. That, right. It looks a lot like what he just described down there. Exactly. He did also mention that he felt some guilt, you know, leaving Mike Elko in that, in that process. He said the timing for that was not ideal. Then again, he said that, you know, the bus only stops for Ohio State. You know, I guess this is the ninth time the, yeah. the bus has stopped for Ohio State. And so that timing was ideal for him to take this job. 
Uh, as you said, Spencer, like he's, he's bold in what he does as an athletic director and as an administrator. He seems like he's learned from some of the missteps. He's only 51 years old, which creates a bit of a, a runway, as President Ted Carter said, for him to have this role for quite a long time, just as Gene Smith did. And I think that has to give people a lot of hope, not only because of what he can do with the programs at Ohio State, but also what he can do as a voice in college athletics. He talked about how he felt like the NCAA system and the structure right now is antiquated. He wants to deconstruct that, be part of that process. We know Ohio State can be as a Big Ten power, but also as a power in college athletics. And I think he's on board with Charlie Baker's proposal for those higher resource institutions to be kind of a separate branch and be treated a little bit different with maybe different rules. Yeah, but as he indicated, but to stay within the aegis of the NCAA, right. as opposed to just striking out on your own with a, with a whole new way of doing things. I mean, I thought that was very important too, is to hear that come out of his mouth, that uh, you still want to be part of this big club, but the big club, the, the leadership, et cetera, of the big club has got to change, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, you know, President Carter feels the same way, you can tell that. And, you know, he was asked pointedly by, uh, I think it was Doug Maurice, uh, I'm not sure, but, the bottom line is, shouldn't Ohio State have a bigger say in the, I'm talking about President Carter was, in the, uh, the, the direction of the Big Ten than maybe some of the lesser programs. And there are lesser programs within the Big Ten. Yep. Some of them whom just look like they're almost happy just to be in the Big Ten. So leeches afoot. Well, not leeches, but just to, I mean, Ohio State, you know, look at the TV ratings. Mm -hmm. Just that for football. Ohio State drives the bus is the what you, you know, Michigan is back on that bus driving a little bit, Penn State. But there are other programs that don't turn on television sets. Mm -hmm. And that's part and parcel to where everything is going, where everything has been for a while now and where it's really taking off to. And even President Carter said, yeah, you, you know, you don't, you don't lord over things, but you have a bigger say in the direction of things. And I think that's what we're gonna see down the road from Ohio State and maybe a couple other programs is flexing their muscles even more. The other thing that I think is important that we have to touch on here in the, the rapid reaction video, Ohio State has a lot of people saying that it does not do a good enough job in NIL. If there's one thing you could say about Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M and the, the machine Ross Bjork built in College Station, it is they had NIL figured out. And it probably came at the expense of a lot of culture. And so he said in the last couple of years, he's learned that you have to start with culture and then build with NIL. That is exactly how Ryan Day wants to build his program. I sense alignment from past missteps that Bjork made on the NIL front. That he can correct those at Ohio State and team up with Ryan Day and become an NIL power. Ryan Day wants that. The program wants that. The people at Ohio State and the Board of Trustees who are sitting down there, the suits, yep. they want that. The new suit, Ross Bjork wants that. Gene Smith, the fan base. The alignment can be there on the NIL front. And if Bjork is good for anything, and I'm not saying he's only good for one thing, but if he's good for anything, it's figuring out an NIL apparatus that will work for now and in the future. And I think if you're Ohio State, you, you hope that Bjork learned from his mistakes on the NIL front at Texas A&M, and you hope that he takes those lessons, teams up with the block O on the chest plate, and goes with it into the future yeah. of NIL. I gotta go to Andy first. No, well, okay. No, go to yeah. Well, I use the racing analogy. It's, in my opinion, it's always been, as, as the old saying goes, it's easier to slow a fast driver down than to speed up a slow driver. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Texas A&M was a fast driver into the NIL frontier. In a lot of ways. And said a lot of, yeah. But the bottom line is, they, oh, this is legal now, we're going for it. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there's something to be said for that, uh, in my opinion, because some people have to go out there and knock down the uh, and knock down the guardrails, so to speak, that used to exist that aren't there anymore. Where there have been people who imaginarily thought that those guardrails are still around, when in fact they're not. I think Ohio State in the last year has done a great job of stepping up its NIL game. We've talked about that before on this on this show, uh, but it can go farther, and that's what definitely. Uh, what Ryan Day wants, <clears throat> that will definitely be, <clears throat> excuse me, what Ross Bjork wants, and he, even uh, President Carter, President Ted Carter. Yeah, I asked him, like, what <coughs> makes a good fundraiser, and what are the challenges that are going to be at Ohio State fundraising versus the challenges at Texas A&M? Because, you know, it's different. It's yeah. different to fundraise at, in College Station. In some ways, you could say maybe it's easier. He was very confident in his fundraising ability. He, you know, he even said it's, it's one of the easier parts of the job. You get people to give to you. Now, of course, there's appreciation with that, but it also goes a long way with building relationships. That was the number one thing he said he's looking forward to do. Get to know the people, the culture. And he you know, made a big point about it. He's gonna be around these parts starting around March 1, as he finishes up things at Texas A&M and then comes here and learns under Gene Smith, who is still the boss until the end of June. And he's going to try to learn the culture and learn the people, and that's the start of building those relationships. You get the sense that he's gonna be around the buildings at the different events, trying to get to know Ohio State. And I think that's gonna be a huge part of it because you know, I don't know if it's a one-to-one from Texas A&M to Ohio State, but he seems very, very confident that he'll be able to replicate that fundraising well, success. Yeah, he made the point that, you know, he talked about fighters and champions or the people who are the elite. He, he kind of like put Texas A&M in that, in that realm of the fighter part, whereas he looked at Ohio State as the elite that you're fighting to get to. That was an interesting, I think, comment from him during this because he, it is a step up for him in terms of just the size and scope of Ohio State's athletic mm-hmm. department compared to Texas A&M, which has, what, 16, 18 varsity sports. This is double that in all kinds of ways. And they all, what, what they run on, and I'll use my racing analogy again, is what race cars and, and major college uh, sports programs all run on, you know, is money coming in. And uh, so, that, you know, in that regard, <clears throat> you know, he's a, hell of a, he's a hell of a hire, except it's different from what I called it on an earlier show here of passing the plate, which is what they did at Texas A&M whenever they need anything, because you got all these big time donors down there who are just itching to be part of it. And at Texas A&M, you quite literally, <clears throat> you quite literally can check the price of oil and find out where the athletic department is going. In a lot of ways, you look at the price of oil, you can- you Texas can, A&M has one of the largest endowments of any university in the world. So instead of checking the price of oil, Ross Bjork's gonna now have to check maybe the uh, S&P 500 at L Brands, at Nationwide, at other businesses who are uh, deeply rooted into Columbus, and then go from there with his yeah. NIL operation with the 1870 Society, uh, with smaller part with football, but more with basketball, um, the foundation. Um, those are going to be part and parcel to what Ross Bjork does at Ohio State and how he handles his business. Letterman Row will be there to cover every aspect of this as Ohio State ushers in a new era of its athletic department. Ross Bjork, the ninth athletic director in the history of Ohio State athletics. Tim May, the 40-year vet, he just heard from Ross Bjork, Ted Carter, and Gene Smith. We'll have full co- he'll have full coverage of that at LettermanRow.com. Andy Backstrom as well, and me, Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to this rapid reaction as we break down Ross Bjork's hiring at Ohio State. We'll see you guys over at LettermanRow.com where you can get all of our coverage first month for $1.